0: Welcome to the second episode of the podcast, A Socialist Reads Atlas Shrugged. My name is Jonathan Seifried. I'm a former high school history teacher, and I am the self-proclaimed socialist that is doing the reading of Atlas Shrugged. This is not a read-aloud, but instead a close reading that does its best to argue with the ideas in the book, giving as much fair ground as possible to those ideas. Thanks for joining me. One of the main contentions of this podcast is that it's worth talking about Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. And that in and of itself is something you can get into an argument about. There's really a debate about how much Ayn Rand matters in our culture and our politics and our public discourse today in 2022, which is when I'm recording this. And there are many who would argue that ah, Ayn Rand was popular back you know, in the day, but... But no one really reads these books anymore. They're kind of like a vestige of the 1980s and a lot of what motivated people to support supply-side economics and Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, and it's just not really something that we need to be concerned with today. And my argument is that it is actually very much still read, and it's the er ur-text. It's the text that informs the worldview of a lot of those on the right who are making arguments at the more surface level about particular policies. And those arguments might sound like just contrarianism and not evidence-based, but when you read Atlas Shrugged and you think about the ideas In the book, then it starts to make sense. And you can then have a more productive conversation with those that you disagree with, which I think is a really important part of being part of the solution to the polarization that plagues us today, as opposed to just grinding on as being part of the problem and getting in your digs. Now, all that said there is something that I would like to do as a somewhat regular feature of this podcast, which is to highlight moments when Atlas Shrugged or Ayn Rand bubble up to the surface of popular discourse or news or whatever in the media. And so today I want to highlight a story that I noticed from the very beginning of 2022. This is something that's available on Yahoo News, but is somehow affiliated with Esquire Magazine. The way that the stories are presented in these aggregators is so difficult to understand. Who's the actual publication here? But it seems to be something that is attributed to Esquire magazine in some way. The author is Justin Kirkland, publication date, January 4th, 2022. I'll put the link in the show notes. And here's the headline. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers loves Atlas Shrugged. So apparently Aaron Rodgers, who for those of you who are not in the football knowledge base Uh, that would include myself I don't really know much about football at all Aaron Rodgers is an outspoken quarterback for gosh is he still a quarterback I don't even know folks but Affiliated in the past or the present with the Green Bay Packers and has been out in the media saying stuff, stirring the pot about the COVID vaccines, I suppose. So here we've got a story about how during an interview, Aaron Rodgers plugged Atlas Shrugged, pointed to the bookshelf in the background in his home and said, there's Atlas Shrugged on the shelf. And so we've got a whole story here. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but basically the author is commenting about how someone like Aaron Rodgers, who's got the position that Aaron Rodgers has in the debate, in the public discourse, in the internet, or whatever, would be a fan of Atlas Shrugged. How is this justified? Well, basically... Here's a section of the story. Rand's best-known work, Atlas Shrugged, is often referenced as a favorite in libertarian and conservative circles. So when our guy proudly pointed to the nearly 1,200-page work as a highlight of his library, people took notice. For most of us, Atlas Shrugged was the summer reading assignment we skimmed a third of before resorting to Sparknotes. You didn't need to read it, really. Blake, that guy from your junior year literature class who has big thoughts on the free market, wasn't going to let you get a word in edgewise during class discussion anyway. And that's because Atlas Shrugged is the Bible For people who might describe themselves as simultaneously, quote, cerebral and, quote, free thinker. And then it goes on to say some other stuff that is quite derogatory about people who, like Atlas, shrugged. And how terrible they are as people. And so, basically, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on about, you know, how being on a certain side of the discord the the right the the right wing side of the discourse is fitting right in with being a fan of atlas shrugged so on and so forth saying kind of snarky things about aaron rogers this is exactly the kind of discussion about atlas shrugged that I do not want to have. This is the prime example of what I'm trying to do the opposite of. And I'm not here to take pot shots or to get snarky, but at the same time, it is important to notice when the book bubbles up to the surface of our discourse today and how it does because that is furthering my argument that we got to talk about this book and we got to change how we talk about this book at the same time though it's just it's kind of fun there's just some funny things that come up and i like to dig into this because it's entertaining, it's goofy, and I'm not all about having just sort of some very intellectualized, very serious, serious kind of podcast. I want to laugh and also want to get into some deep ideas at the same time. So we're going to have some moments of levity here. We're also going to have moments where we get quite Quite in the weeds about the arguments being put forward in the book. But I just want to highlight one moment in that clip I read from the story about Aaron Rodgers. Atlas Shrugged is compared to the Bible. You're going to see this again and again whenever I highlight some comments that I find on the internet and other stories that this book is one that a lot of people fear will control you. It's really interesting. It's like something out of Harry Potter, you know, some kind of magical tome that when you read it, suddenly you will be under its control. And so here's a regular feature that I'd like to do every single podcast episode. I call it Today's Moment of non contradiction And that, of course, is a reference to the first of the three parts in Atlas Shrugged. Discussed that in episode one. What I'm going to do every single episode in today's moment of non-contradiction is I'm going to highlight just some random person's comment on the internet from just the bowels of the internet. You know, like Quora and read it, and just like the comments deep in there, and you have no idea who's saying them, just because I, I think it's so fascinating to track the way that this particular work shows up in the discourse of everyday people, and just how fervent, how fervent people get about it. I just think that's so interesting. Sometimes these are going to be goofy, like what I was just talking about. Other times, they're going to reveal something that I think is really worth pondering, pondering carefully. This one, though, this one connects in to what I was just discussing about the power of Atlas Shrugged, or the perceived power of it. There's a post on Quora. I will, of course, link to this in the show notes. And the question is posted by someone who says... Quote, I am 17 years old and I want to start reading Ayn Rand. Many people have suggested that I not start at this age. Is it true? Should I wait for some more years before starting Ayn Rand? Unquote. There's a bunch of answers to this, and I'm going to read out for you one of the answers. This one was posted in reply on October 17th, 2020 from a user named Murphy Barrett. Quote, I started reading Asimov when I was around eight, and I discovered Heinlein around age 12. I was 15 or 16 when I read Atlas Shrugged. There's no such thing as too young to read. There is definitely such a thing as, quote, not developmentally ready, unquote, to understand the material, but unless you're mentally handicapped in some way, you should be able to understand Ayn Rand at 17. I suspect whoever is telling you that you're too young isn't saying so for your sake but because they don't want Rand's ideas in your head polluting whatever ideology they're trying to condition you with. Basically, they don't want you thinking for yourself. Now that said, Atlas Shrugged is the only one of her books I've read. And, like many Russian doorstops, it is god-awful long. It's not meant to be an entertaining narrative, but a philosophy lesson in the form of a story. Like a really, really long Aesop. Really, the whole actual point of the novel is Galt's speech, and even that's a bit overlong. She makes a good point. I just wish she'd gotten to it sooner. But the only Russian I've ever known who can write short books is Asimov. So if you want to read Ayn Rand, have at. So that was the response from one replier to the question, how old should you be when you read Atlas Shrugged? And again, there's this ongoing theme in the conversations about Atlas Shrugged that it's just so powerful, so powerful. So we're going to figure out why that is, whether it's true still, and figure out, you know, what is behind this fervent level of discussion. One other thing I want to highlight here is that the replier used a word that I think is pretty insensitive toward people with disabilities. And the reason I bring it up is because callousness and a lack of empathy is something that those who criticize fans of this book will point to as a product of buying in to the ideas. Okay? So there's something that we're going to be tracking as one of the five main themes that I suggest you keep in mind as you read through and think about Atlas Shrugged. And that is that there's this tendency in the book to delegitimize empathy. And we're going to look at the moments when that is being described, being justified. And we're going to really try to figure out how that resonates with a lot of people who would in other contexts, be very kind and caring. And that actually brings us to the next segment of today's show, which is getting back into the book. So we're already about uh, 75% through, and we haven't gotten into the book yet, but that's okay because we're still in introductory mode here with episode two. So what we're going to talk about is the speaker of the quoted question that is the first line of the book. The person who speaks first in this book is a bum, right? It's a bum. And that's who asks the question that starts out this entire story. We never really get the name of the quote, bum. We never understand why that person got to where they were in life so that they would be identified as a bum. We don't get any backstory about who this is, but we are associating the opening of this book with a person who we are meant to think of as Lower as having failed, and that really gets reiterated in the next few pages. Something has failed. This person who starts the book by speaking, "Who is John Galt? Who is John Galt? Who is John?" Galt? I'm not quite sure the right, the, the right, the right tone for that question. But the person who speaks it as a sign of resignation is someone who we would just associate with having failed as a person, someone who doesn't really deserve respect. That's what the word bum calls to mind, I think, for most of us. So, of course, the whole book is about a failure. It's about a failure of a society, a failure of individuals within that society to act virtuously, a failure then of the entire aggregate, the systems in place, meant to keep society going. They're all crumbling. And so that's why we've got a bum as the first character in the entire book. So we've got this figure, this cultural figure, this social figure of a bum starting out the book. And this is a very good way for me to introduce the five main themes that I'm going to keep coming back to over and over and over again as I do this close read of Atlas Shrugged. So the first one I've already mentioned, that the tendency to delegitimize empathy is something that occurs again and again and again throughout the book. And we want to look at how that's justified and then try to speculate about, well, What could be the reasons that we would want to restrain our empathy sometimes? And that's going to get into some territory that is very difficult to talk about because we'd be maybe acknowledging that cruelty is okay. But there is that proverb, the song, you got to be cruel to be kind. Maybe Rand has a point here. I don't really land on that side of the argument, but it's one that we're going to dig into. The other uh, next theme in the list of five that I want to suggest to you is the question of what is human nature? What is human nature? So when we have this social and cultural category of a bum, well, we're stating something about what a human should be and then what it looks like when a human fails to be that. And so just by using the word bum, we call up all of these Assumptions or propositions about human nature itself. What is human nature? That's something that we're going to keep coming back to again and again. The third theme a tendency to straw man the arguments of the opposing view. Straw man is a logical fallacy where you think about your opponent's argument, and then you transform it into something else. Something else that's easier to attack. So here, we've got a glimmer of how Ayn Rand does this throughout the entire book, Atlas Shrugged. By taking a failed human and holding them up as representative, or holding up their failure as something that is Typical uh, that you could apply to all humans, really uh, removing the personhood of an individual, the complications that go into an individual's choices that explain how they got to be someone that others would call a bum, and, and just holding them up in a more simple way in order to attack the opposition to your argument. And something that I want to do as I'm talking about Atlas Shrugged is be super careful not to do that. Not to do the kind of thing that came up in the article about Aaron Rodgers, and to instead try to find the most fair ground on which to carry out the argument against the ideas here. So my own cognitive bias is something I'm going to attempt to put in check, particularly confirmation bias, as I'm reading these pages and saying, aha, here it is, Here's, here's the part that You know, me as a socialist, I I would object to. I have to try to put that into check, question it, and not just run free with it. The tendency to straw man. That was the third one. The fourth one, the fourth one is about the hero of this story, who I would argue is definitely not John Galt, but is instead Dagny, Dagny Taggart. Is a true hero. And this is something where I'm a big fan of the book. I really, really love Dagny Taggart. And I think that her journey is an amazing journey of self actualization. It's not to say that everything about her resonates with me as authentic when it comes to a portrayal of a human, but the hero story there, it's just wonderful. And I'm going to compare it to other heroes, like Frodo in Lord of the Rings. And I'm going to draw out that metaphor a little bit more in an upcoming episode. So stay tuned for that. The fifth theme that I will hone to as we continue our discussion of Atlas Shrugged is about capitalism. What is Ayn Rand's definition of capitalism? How do the characters define capitalism? And what are the flaws that Ayn Rand points to? Some surprises here. Some surprises. People who haven't read Atlas Shrugged might think, if they're on the left and looking to criticize, they might think that it's just a full-throated defense of capitalism. But actually, it's not. There's some subtlety there that's pretty interesting. So coming back to the figure of the bum, well, is this a failure of the individual? Or is it a failure of the system, the capitalist system? Has capitalism been distorted and degraded to the point where bums are produced? Is that that what's happening here? Or is something else going on? We're going to dig into that. So as we talk about the first character introduced into the book, who I don't think ever comes back, I mean, on this reread, I'll have to watch out for, okay, does this particular bum reappear? But this first character of the book, this first speaker of the book, is sort of like the opposite of what we're going to see as the hero in Dagny, is a representation of the problems with capitalism as well as connected to the other three themes, as I explained just before. So thanks for sticking with me here, and I'm excited to get further along. Hopefully we'll do more (laughs) pages, more paragraphs each time we go along, or else we're going to have a podcast of many thousands of episodes. Maybe that's just what it'll be, I don't know, but... Thank you for trusting me with uh, taking you through a deep dive into Atlas Shrugged. And once again, my name is Jonathan Seifried, and you've been listening to the podcast A Socialist Reads Atlas Shrugged.